um, something Mad Max, Mad Max. Remember back in history when there was banter? <laughs> Before Nailed time, it. children, children, gather around. Let me tell you a story. We once had banter. There was vaudeville type performances. <laughs> yeah, I got a I got a panic text from my nurse today that just said "fuck, fuck, 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 fuck," and it really freaked me out. Um, it turns out that he was texting me re the election and not re like COVID right. updates. But I was like. <laughs> Right. It's like, hey. too. <laughs> yeah. You slow it down, bud. Yeah. It's like, wait, which thing are you saying fuck about? Because I have different responses and it really depends. There are too many things so. that that could mean right now, right. unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, how is everyone holding up? Real talk. Uh, Everyone's okay? I, yeah. Yeah. I'm doing great. Uh, well, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Define okay. This is, <laughs> this is, uh, I mean, the, the sort of the weird thing is the, there are certain aspects of it that just resemble normal life. It's, right. you know, you know, uh, it's just the only thing that's sort of removed is getting up and going to the office because the office is literally shuttered. Um, so, but otherwise it's like, oh yes, go home, go to the grocery store, the cat, you know, it's, but the, but then the weird thing is you do look out on the street and, um, there isn't anybody and yeah and then the mm-hmm. yeah and then just just knowing the for the sort of foreknowledge that this is actually we're truly at the beginning of the trough and the slide is possibly <laughs> going to be very long so yeah that's yeah i mean one of the things um that i've been doing that i think that will probably carry over into the um imminent twitch streaming that b and i are going to start Doing. Possibly even this evening Possib- as this edit yeah. is being edited. Possibly already you're watching B play perhaps Stardew Valley or something and talk about politics and how societal collapse in general um, while while this is happening. But yeah, um, we're gonna we're gonna start streaming. And one of the things that I've been like one of the things I've been looking at and one of the things that probably occasionally I'll pop over to in the streams is the New York City Department of Transportation um, traffic cameras. So freaky. Which stream online and. Um, you know, there, there are like hundreds of them. They're, they're not super densely packed. It's like, you know, there'll be a first mm-hmm. Avenue and 14th street, then first and 23rd. And then it jumps to like 40th or something. But it's really interesting to watch both in terms of like kind of seeing the patterns of people, like times of day when it kind of is like maybe even more safe or whatever to go out for a supply run essentially. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also just in terms of like, there is nothing going on, uh, cities like, City's pretty shut down. Not as shut down as I would like, though, actually, (laughs) frankly, especially during the day. Well, I have to say, Artie, thank you for everything you've done to both help protect you from contracting the inf- uh, the virus, but also from me getting it as well. That's I appreciate right. that. If, um, you're, if your partner it's real is love. immune compromised, uh, shape up. They're only <laughs> as safe as how irresponsible you are. Yeah. Right. No, it's funny because I've gotten a lot of pictures sent to me in the past couple of days from people sending their partners out to like go get emergency pharmacy supplies who have already decided that they're like not leaving the house. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, we're unfortunately TBH at the beginning of this. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, welcome to the new normal. 
Um, Let's go yeah. ahead and get started. We have a lot to cover today. We've got um, obviously COVID, the election. Um, what else? That's basically all that's going on. But that's a fucking lot in and of itself, right? Yeah. Yeah. This what? is orientation. This is orientation week for World Two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the mythical Earth Two that all the liberals always talk about, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's as shitty as I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Not as Just great as, as you shitty as I would have suspected. <laughs> Well, if it feels Damn authentic it. because, you know, Elon Musk is actually here. So, yeah. you know, we got all the Bond villains all in right, one place. Exactly. How did exactly. they all make it here with us? All the scenic uh, public private partnerships that will define our era. What if the real Earth 2 was always inside you? Yeah. Okay. The real Earth 2 is the <laughs> pandemics we made along the way. Oh, God. Um, anyway. <gasps> okay. Let's do this thing. Ready? Yeah. A production of Bioreference Laboratories. Everything is totally normal. Oh my God. <laughs> you can support you can support the show at patreon.com slash deathpanelpod. Um, real talk. And if you if start you, a small business, uh, we'll, we might consider giving you a loan of right. some kind. Hey, yeah, are we a struggling <laughs> right. small business? I guess so, yeah. That's the one way to survive in this uh, in this hellscape, right? That's the one group of people that they'll be able Everyone is going to yeah. have to be a small business. Struggling small businesses are allowed to skip the ventilator line, right? <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, um, you just have to be operating in a disadvantaged area for at least two years. Hello, joke, hello. But, uh, I have corporate personhood. Hello, <laughs> over here. We do joke, but uh, shout out to Philadelphia for declaring the police non-essential services. Hell um, yeah. Just, just saying. <laughs> anyway. Bingo. Um, all right. Well, since we last recorded on Saturday, when I, we put together, I think what is still a very relevant, incredibly massive COVID episode, highly Sadly, recommend. Sadly, still highly relevant. Yes. Yeah. Um, highly recommend giving that a listen. The teaser in and of itself is an hour and a half long. So if you'd like to listen to the whole episode, which is over three hours, become a patron. Yeah. Which is to say, it's not so much a teaser, actually, as we put the entire part first part of yeah. the episode where we, including parts where we talk about a lot of like public health stuff that's especially relevant. Yeah. So it's yeah. been, um, what, approximately one decade since Saturday, mm-hmm. since the yeah. uh, event horizon, shall we say. Yeah. And um, we're in new, new Earth, Earth 2. And some sort of primary election happened yesterday. Kind of. Um, I'd really love to get into that first. First. Yeah, I feel like we should get that stuff out of the way. There's a lot of stuff that's important that we're going to talk about. I think the main, probably the main thing is one of the... The new demands. What comes next. Yeah, the new demands, like what comes next and, and how, and, and you know, how, like how to leverage for them, exactly, basically, yeah. um, and how we deal with this at all. But like, I do think it's really important to pause on, especially as there was so much uncertainty and so much, um, you know, so many different conflicting uh, opinions on this, including from the left, which was really interesting to see mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. Um, from, uh, in, in terms of like how the, how the elections, which still proceeded somehow, uh, except for Ohio, I guess, which literally at like what midnight the night before the, uh, after very confusing. 
Yeah. So maybe maybe we should just get into it. Yeah. So one of the things that we've been talking about and that we've gotten a lot of questions from from listeners is sort of um, does this situation that we're currently finding ourselves in have any sort of historical precedent here? Um, you've got some people on the left being like, just cancel them all, right? It's a public health risk. Elections. You mean? Elections, yeah. yeah. You have some people saying that you should go towards like a rescheduling. Medi- yeah. Rescheduling. You've seen people, I mean, you literally have seen people like be like, cancel elections, let's do general strike and take to the streets, you know, is what I mean with that first one. Then you have like the postponement people. Then you have um, people. Who are largely the Bernie camp, I think. Yeah. Right. Then you have mm-hmm. people who are into the idea of extending sort of alternative voting, right? And extending the primaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Biden camp and the DNC proper decided that they were just going to barrel forward for the most part in at least Florida, Illinois, and Arizona. And the results have been catastrophically um, disappointing. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Illinois, Illinois was sort of the most, I don't know how much folks like paid attention to that, but that was the most, one of the most disturbing sort of things I've seen in a long time. So basically, uh, I think it was a few days before the election, the Chicago Board of Elections basically asked the governor to delay uh, the election. He, uh, who the governor who supports Joe Biden, um, refused to do that. And then in a very curious display, like made some offers to like send in additional resources mm. uh, to the Chicago board of elections, like the national guard mm-hmm. and, and sort of other, other sort of like uh, offers, which were then sort of not apparently uh, the, the Chicago elections folks didn't take him up on those. And so what you ended up having was uh, massive last minute relocations of polling places, the likes of which, uh, you know, Chicago, not known for uh, tidy and clean, efficient uh, election administration. <laughs> it's not where you would go to do the textbook <laughs> thing on that. But it was sort of as bad as you might imagine um, it would be. So uh, there was uh, this video of um, this woman who was part of this uh, group called the Mikva Challenge, who was sort of going in to help staff uh, these polling places. And there's no one there. The machines aren't set up. Um, and wow. This is just sort of, you know, it, it just sort of reveals to me that it's not it's not merely about the failure of, of Illinois to delay, which a lot of people want to, like, hinge this on that. It's mm-hmm. the fact that, like, what on earth was done in terms of emergency management yeah. to mitigate mitigate the very clear risks um, that were there for. And if you look at the exit polls, too, I think <laughs> Kate, Kate Aronoff, like, showed this, like, the exit polls suggest that the lots and lots of people who were in the at-risk population voted. Yeah, and, um, and also, I mean, it's worth yeah. saying, too, whatever whatever they thought they were doing in mitigating the risk. I mean, there's a report out in The Intercept this morning from uh, Rebecca Burns saying that basically a number of the uh, polling locations that were sort of emergency switched to from within Illinois from, like, the originally intended location to the new location were actually, like, low-income senior centers, which is literally bringing... Right people into like one of the most at-risk populations for catching it so like i think yeah i think it's incredibly irresponsible some of the like reports on the ground that i've heard from florida because i have a lot of family and friends in that state has been that the local news in florida didn't even really say one way or another whether or not was safe it was sort of like we're going to talk about covid and next 
tomorrow is the primary. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know where you're going to vote? Like, there, it's not that they were saying, like, you know, it's just that their messaging had not shifted, right? Yeah, that right. there was that the the discussion of COVID um, and the discussion of the election were not necessarily. Um, it wasn't like super clear to the average, like, not highly engaged, not highly online person whether or not like the uh, disease was actually or the virus was actually going to make voting a problem you know what I mean like the sort of urgency and and magnitude of it doesn't seem to be totally there in like Sinclair station coverage shall we say (laughs) you don't say well or in the messaging from the DNC itself up until like last night terrible you know they basically waited until the moment that all of these states had voted Mm -hmm. um you know we clearly saw just the the like indeterminacy of like whether the election was going to go uh forward or whether or whether the elections were going to Mm -hmm. um be safe to attend at all um you know clearly like turnout was super low in all the states that actually did go ahead and do Mm -hmm. Do mm-hmm. voting, and then you know, literally, like they get the one, Although, they get they get the quick media hit of like the three states that went for uh, Biden, and then you know, immediately afterwards, the DNC like pushes out this thing to like Twitter and other places, being like, okay, now, now let's all move everything to like mail voting. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Well, I mean, it's uh, like I guess it's worth noting. I guess low relative to what? So, like in Arizona and Florida, the turnout was actually. Not all of the ballots have been uh, counted, I guess, but I think turnout was higher than it was in 2016. I I guess the question is, are you, is that the relevant comparison or is the relevant comparison to like whatever it hypothetically would have been, you know, had this not happened? Um, The one place where that wasn't true and like turnout fell even relative to 2016 is Illinois, which I think Mm -hmm. just illustrates just how much this is, you know, just how poor this sort of went. Right. 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 And I mean, the CDC itself has not released any um, guidelines on what to do, essentially, whether or not polling stations are considered um, something that should continue. They've released guidelines on how to clean and disinfect polling stations. Sure. Right. And the supplies that are needed, which we then saw in um, some first person accounts in Chicago, just were um, and in, in Illinois in general, were not there. Right. right? Like yeah. people showed up and they're like, where is one thing of hand sanitizer for the entire day? God. Four yeah. out of the five poll workers are over the age of 65. Like yeah, absurd. We have no soap for the bathroom. You know, it's just like time and time again, we're hearing this. And like, if the CDC is not going to issue guidelines and say, no, you know, we have alternative means of voting. So in-person event, like this doesn't count as a necessary in-person event. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that it's like, it would be really great to live in a country that gave a shit about voting period. Um, (laughs) Like it would be, I mean. And I think that it's like uh, already, if you look at our election administration around the United States, it sucks uh, in, in mm-hmm. the best of times, you know, right. in, the, in the the age that is like free of disease war, you know, any any kind of problem. It, it sucks. And um, now it's it's you see just how dangerous it is that. So many things in like American government are treated like an afterthought or like something <laughs> yeah, right. that we can like, oh, yeah, we can squeeze some some fiscal, you right. know, f- fiscal surplus out of we can wring some some fisk out of this uh, election administration. No, this is like 
Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Voting is a vanity project in my state. Well, um, you know, right. it's you like, know. again, who staffs these, who staffs these polling places? Volunteers. Who are these volunteers? <laughs> They're all over the age of 65, right? Right. Not exactly. All, but many, um, yeah. Or for the most, not all, but I mean, I'm, I'm a election official in Wisconsin and it's like me and, you know, mostly people who are over the age of 65, which is cool. Yeah. We hang out. It's awesome. Right. But it's, but it's not when you're relying on that workforce and when you're relying on this paltry sort of set of resources, you know, like, so we have early voting in Wisconsin, but like in Milwaukee, in the entire city, there are two places where you can do early voting, just two Mm -hmm. downtown and like one other one that's like at a library. Um, You know, I went to the early voting. I took a look at the early voting place that's downtown at the uh, municipal building. And like, if you had a bunch of those sites, I could see how that would be risk mitigating. It seems a little bit like going into the grocery store if, mm-hmm. if you don't allow too many people in at a time. Not right. too many people in there. Every single person is wearing gloves. Every single person is not touching a screen. They are using a pencil, uh, you know, to touch the screen, but their hand is in a glove. There's right, a lot right. of hand sanitizer. It's a sort of, you know, but again, that's like one of two sites for early voting. It's open, you know, a certain number of days a week. There's sort of, you know, these sort of restrictions on it, but like the idea that that's like, that's sufficient even normally for early voting is seems a bit absurd. Um, but like, that's the, that's the thing that I feel like is missed in this whole delay, not delay debate. It's like, clearly we need to be using the emergency powers of the state to massively redirect resources to protecting elections. Yeah. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, I also think like, I, I don't know where necessarily like, we all fall on on sort of like the spectrum of like you know d- like delay or vote by mail or, or or like whatnot but like it's definitely safe to say that like everything that happened yesterday be it ohio or florida like w- or, or illinois was just done pretty much pretty much the worst that it could have been done and and also as poorly as possible yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly like just just as poorly as possible and and also you know very sort of I don't know, suspiciously to, to, to rat fuck, um, one Bernard Sanders, you know, but also I, like, I, I guess the challenge though, and this is where I like your take B, which is like, you know, we, I come at this thinking like, okay, election administration, election administration, that's the main thing I'm thinking about. But this is like, a these, there are two equations that you have to solve simultaneously election, uh, election administration, free and fair elections and public health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to think about them at the same time. And mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like anyone's doing that uh, mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what, kind of what I was going to say, too, because we obviously, obviously a lot of this debate happened more actively and urgently immediately before in like the 48 hours before the mm-hmm. elections uh, that were were scheduled to happen again, um, one of which did not um, happen the primary in Ohio. But like one of the big conversations that happened in that 48 hour period was this. I Like, I totally agree. I think that like... The option of, okay, well, we also could just mobilize to not delay, for example, or if we delay, we could mobilize around delay, make a specific, like, I mean, and by mobilize to not delay, I mean, mobilize to not delay with this, like, uh, specifying that like uh, we will do just we will do everything possible quickly do universal bo- vote by mail even if it's not like over the course of a single day maybe it is like okay this is gonna like you'll, you'll start receiving vote by mail ballots or something over the mm-hmm. course of um the next couple of days like return them as soon as possible and then we'll have our result or something like some you know something mm-hmm. like that and i think that the fact that 
it was, I mean, it was interesting to a lot of us because, you know, obviously the, the panel was watching this as it was unfolding and thinking like, how is, how is it that kind of the two, the only two things that people are saying here are like, no, just keep it going. Even though it's an obvious fucking health risk for everyone to possibly get this virus, which is like rapidly spreading. Right. And, mm-hmm. and two, but, and two just being like, no, no, no don't do the election like don't do it just like postpone it which we know doesn't necessarily like if things are just postponed and not also totally because like here's the thing like and maybe maybe it's partially that we're just seeing this because i think that like myself and the three of you and probably a lot of our listeners are in a place where they're like realistically this is not going to be over probably even by summer Mm -hmm. no you know this is not like a situation where we can just waited out this is like a situation where we do need to take really drastic measures mm-hmm. um to continue to like have any form of normalcy going forward and i think that like you know well, and, and i think that makes it misguided basically to to essentially just have the option be oh mm-hmm. well let's uh not, not the option but the like the alternative option advanced including by the sanders campaign as just like oh just just push it down like push, push mm-hmm. down the line we'll deal with it then Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Ob- uh, right. You know, obviously some people I think were calling for, you know, doing like obvious public health measures like universal vote by mail, but you know. Right. Well, and the other thing is like, I think we actually even live in places where this, th- that all needs to be thought about like right now for the general election, because like yeah. if, if, you know, unfortunately, like, this, yeah, should, like, right. Lord, this should be a test. Run. Right. Exactly. Like Lord knows what's going to happen in the next couple of months. Like if, if things do go badly and like, you know, whatever, we're still fucking like quarantined or dealing with this in, uh, in, you know, October, November, like we should be like, we should already be making provisions and thinking about, uh, like how to safely administer the, the election in November. Yeah. Like that, that's, you know, well, in a way we need to be thinking about the resources required to have a free and fair election in the same way that people are now thinking about the number of beds required under certain disease progression scenarios. So like Mm -hmm. when we're not, I mean, like we know there's a sense of like, here's how many hospital beds we will need. Here's how many ventilators we would need. Now we don't have those resources is like, and we're not committing nearly enough effort and intensity to like those sort of basic material uh, conditions, but like, we're definitely not thinking about it at all right. when it comes to, uh, when it comes to, to the ballot box. And mm-hmm. I think that that's just like, yeah. Well, and, and it's clear that when, when those things do get thought of the, the, the thinking process that happens. And I think that everyone who's in a state that's for instance, like not New York, maybe mm-hmm. should, uh, consider talking to, and you know, we're going to get into more of this later, but should definitely, uh, start really lobbying their electeds uh as much as possible and like and pushing pressuring for uh for uh preparations to be like properly taken again not just around elections but like uh like clearly when when provisions are being taken now it's not like you know new new york for example like has just we've got the news today that like a like military hospital boat (laughs) is going to be called in to New York Harbor that has, uh, what is it like a hundred thousand beds on it? And like a thousand, a thousand beds. I think a thousand. Sorry. Right. That has like a thousand beds on it. That'd be a big boat though. Yeah. Big boat. (laughs) Yeah. And (laughs) that's an Artie's dreams. Like what if it were like really big though? (laughs) But like, but so, yeah, I mean, but imagine, you know, so if that's, if that's the emergency plan, Mm-hmm. to have to expand 
access to hospital beds. One. What the fuck is Ohio going to do? One. Holy shit. If you're in New York City, stay the fuck inside because like you do not want to be caught. You do not want to be trapped on a fucking hospital ship. I mean, like the, military the, the places, ship. The places two, in biggest need of ICU beds are also inaccessible by yeah, military yeah, boat. Yeah. Right. Like just think about just think about the experience of the people on those like princess cruises. But everybody's sick. <laughs> but it's also, yeah, it's like what's um it's but it's also like close encounters of the third kind or something, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, and all your civil liberties are essentially gone. And right. possibly the thing that I would be worried about, not to get to like uh, you know, I don't wanna I don't wanna like um how to put it. I th- I think much like uh, a lot of members of our community, we're doing our best to like keep serious and on it and and not like pray into anything that could just like make our anxieties go wild or anything. But just mm-hmm. imagine like they decide that they want to take the boat somewhere else and you're still in treatment <laughs> there. Oh my God. So imagine? Like, let's say then it's like, okay, we, we filled this up this much or we've discharged a few of these people. We're going to continue down the Eastern seaboard. Right. You know, mm-hmm. anyway, just, right. just saying. Um, so, in, you know, my point is we're doing this instead of like, I don't know, building or reopening hospitals. Like we have tons of hospital closures that happen. In the right. Years, you know, like not that a lot, well, of the, a lot of the hospitals that have closed have become condos. Yeah, been, um, <laughs> but, and we have know. tons of vacant, there's tons of like vacant space or space that could be requisitioned. That's private mm-hmm. property for the right. purpose of, uh, healing people. Um, and like, I, I really love it that in our statutes, like when the governor declares an emergency, he can then seize private property. Mm hmm. Uh, to mm-hmm. begin to help address that. Like that's in, and I would guess that's not the only state where that is in the emergency uh, powers. Uh, powers, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's it's like a funny thing because, cause, I mean, I guess now we're just talking about coronavirus, but uh, like in the parts of America. When aren't we now, Vince? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um <laughs> uh but but like you know that that is like the one sort of like asset that like america does have is just like a shitload of parking lots right like in in the Mm -hmm. vast majority of the country and like warehouse space and things like that that like could easily be converted into like like um, emergency uh hospital beds and things like that but right yeah i mean there's like I, i i don't understand why people are like more panicked than they are furious right now you know Mm -hmm. because like there's no reason any of this had to happen this way right Mm -mm. Right. i think that's like a really simple thing to say but it's really true like we've got everything from like i guess joe biden just announced he's delaying a virtual fundraiser (laughs) okay like yeah as if rich people don't know (laughs) how how to type in dollar a plate dinner when it's like virtual they just they send you a meal kit they send you like blue apron or something (laughs) basically yeah just caviar comes to your house and and then they ask you for a huge check i was just joking uh the other day with a friend of mine that like it's funny how so much of the value of like luxury commodities, especially like artworks or whatever, in some mm-hmm. way derive from the like value added or the like uh, what's the what's the term for it? Like the perceived value uh, increase of like 
there was a social event that right. like all the popular artists friends or whatever attended or all the like most whatever collectors attended and now it's just like here we go like another <laughs> right. it's just right. empty now uh, no exactly and, and the reason why the, the reason why the biden God. campaign is postponing <laughs> their event is obviously not because they're worried about crowds but because they are not technically proficient enough to host an online fundraiser which i get that sounds complicated but I do think that's just complicated conceptually and not technically speaking. And if it's complicated for you technically, then you probably shouldn't be running for president. <laughs> hey, those live streams are a pure comedic gift to the American people. I mean, <laughs> I mean we need this right now. <laughs> I really, there's, there's no, I mean, like for everything that like Tim and Eric did in the course of their career, it's like the, the, like the live stream event with no one present Right. Like I just kept, I kept thinking of like the Dean Martin roasts, like with like Orson Welles, but like, but no one being there and there being like a laugh track. And I was like, that's mm-hmm. the Biden fundraiser. That's the most dystopian thing I could think of. Yeah. Totally. Oh, yeah. How um, he's like, if he comes on stage and he's like waving to people, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> waving it's, to no it's one. like we, yeah. it's like we finally found Andy Kaufman and he was just Joe Biden all along. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but, Yikes. um, Anyway. Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, so, all right. So real talk. We haven't been real talking this whole time. Well, no, I mean, I'm not trying to make a prediction, but like given everything that we've seen in the past 10 days from the DNC, like how do we actually assume that there's supposed to be more primaries like next week that haven't been postponed there yet? One, I think there, the next weeks? one isn't for like three weeks. Okay. That's what Faiz Shakir said in his statement. All right. So there are, there are more primaries technically coming up. Yeah. Right. What do we think by the time in we... In theory. In theory. What do we think we're actually going to be looking at in terms of the sort of long-term strategy of the DNC here? I'm not asking for any predictions, but I feel like we've talking we've been talking a lot about the convention, the contested convention... As I see it now, I can't even imagine the convention being able to proceed in the same format, right? Right. Because um, that's definitely uh, an unacceptably large group of people, right? Mm -hmm. So if the, you know, leading candidate can't even get a virtual town hall together, like, what the (laughs) fuck are we going to be looking at in terms of, like, I'm really concerned about when the, you know, as you were saying, like, the general... Right. Mm-hmm. We should be thinking. I think Vince, you said that we should be thinking about mm-hmm. November. Like, what the fuck are they going to do in July with the convention? I don't really yeah. understand how um, how they're unprepared to just like take this like leap to digital the way the Sanders campaign so clearly has been. They had a they had a fucking concert. Right. 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 Well, I Online. Think, honestly, I feel like I, th- I think the most to me, one of the most interesting um, and fundamental aspects of like the state of exception in a way mm-hmm. is that like. Always with a state of exception, um, I I feel like the impulse is to essentially do um, some version or shade or like a more exacerbating version of like the thing that you wanted to do anyway. And since we know that like, for example, we even saw like John Favreau last night on Twitter already be like, and I know he's not technically part of the DNC or whatever, but he's like part of, he was, he was birthed out of the pods of, and I don't mean podcast. I mean, he was birthed out of the like fucking, uh, human embryo pod. What's that movie called? Uh, night of the, or no, 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 uh, the human body snatchers pod, <laughs> um, of like of the democratic establishment basically. And like, I do think 
the I, I, I just feel like there's going to be sort of probably a bunch of just sort of really bullshit calls for unity. Um, what, the thing I was mentioning about John Favreau is he was saying already the line that we again called it a couple of weeks ago or however long ago mm-hmm. uh everything feels like a couple of weeks ago now um but uh, we called it recently like that they were gonna go with the line of like it's the most progressive uh party platform in democratic party history which is patently mm-hmm. wrong and that's all thanks to bernard sanders but, and his strong movement and, and the influence they've had and this is the thing i think they're i think i think they will do a bunch of like bullshit calls for unity i think there are going to be a bunch of bullshit calls for unity that include as like the second part of that sentence and that's why we're suspending this uh primary now since we know that bernie's not going to win or something mm-hmm. um and i think you know what's interesting is that clearly one thing that i do feel like i've seen out of the sanders campaign and sort of like sanders himself in the media and his media pre- uh, and his media appearances in like the last uh, couple of days basically mm-hmm. is that like um, I mean, I'm basically hoping that they won't totally play ball with that. It's clear that they are out there wanting to like continue to push their agenda. And I think that it seems like I, I don't even know if maybe it's just that so many people are so shocked right now. So I don't even know if totally like they're yeah. keeping that uh, grouping t- like together super effectively. But I, I do hope that like this is I mean, in this moment, we're basically literally the Trump administration is, as we'll talk about it in a minute, like promoting the idea and saying they want to do a fucking universal basic income during this, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Not a good version, but like a one nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Like it is, I feel like it's incredibly incumbent on mm-hmm. like the whole Sanders camp, obviously the entire left, but also especially since Sanders is like the most prominent leftist in American political uh, life right now, right? The most mm-hmm. prominent right. left political. Uh, elected official right now i think it's really incumbent on them and their whole team to really like fucking swing for the fences on the biggest ideas possible right Right. now Mm -hmm. totally i mean we've i I think we've got like a unfortunately this is a unique political opportunity yeah right um it totally fucking sucks this is unprecedented there's no real comparison we don't know what we're looking at but what we do know is that in the past seven days Hundreds of things that we've been told are impossible over and over and over again have just been made possible before our very eyes. We have the uh, we have like Tom Cotton talking about UBI. (laughs) Right. Um, Of course, there, as we've mentioned multiple times, there is a left argument for UBI and a fascist right wing argument for UBI. And there's a neoliberal argument for UBI. It, It runs the gambit. Right. But this is something that, like, we've been told over and over, like, oh, no, no, we can't, the deficit. Oh, no, no, right. no, 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 we can't. We can't, we yeah. can't, we can't. Well, surprise. Or something like um, the Trump administration calling for, a, like, temporary pause on evictions. Mm-hmm. Like, w- Which just wow. happened, yeah. Yeah, like, this is, there we go. That's, uh, mean, meanwhile, geez. Chuck Schumer's response is, like, if you have a small business, we will allow you to apply for <laughs> right. a loan. Right. Yeah, I mean, these so, people fundamentally don't see that the ground has just disappeared underneath them is the problem. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I really, I'm kind of, like, suspicious of anyone who's not fully, like, furious 
at their senator right now, unless you live in Vermont. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> I thought you were going to say I'm, I'm suspicious of, of anyone who like, uh, especially like Schumer or whatever, still feels like they can propose some sort of like technocratic neoliberal, uh, like means tested fix to this fucking catastrophe. Yeah. I mean, know? this is, it would be one thing if Schumer was like, we're going to, uh, anticipating the hit of COVID we've seen what it's done, you know, in Iran, we're going to lift sanctions on Iran or force the Trump administration to lift sanctions. And on top of that, we're going to now start this like loan program that you can apply for in advance. So you'll be able to pay your employees um, yeah. if you have to shut down for COVID. Like if he mm-hmm. was doing this two fucking months ago, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One one question I have actually for um, maybe for Phil, because I know you've been reading about this is before we get too far off the because I think. Um, you know, before we totally get off of the elections thing and start maybe having the, what are we going to do? And also what are the really, really dumb things that people have proposed, um, so far conversation, um, right now you've been reading about the 1918 flu pandemic, which also, which I know that everyone makes like these huge, um, comparisons to, cause it's like a big recent thing that they can, it's not necessarily the best comparison, but one interesting comparison is that it did also happen during an election year. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean, the there's actually not as much research out there on this as, as you would want to be. And and like the main. <laughs> well, so but here's the thing. This is like uh, let me just make a dig on my own discipline, because there was a <laughs> there yeah. was a there's a there's a paper that that stud, that like looks at this. But it's mainly like, well, did people punish incumbents because of the 1918 flu? It's like, do you Total not thesis. see that the main I mean, like. Okay, interesting question. But do you not see like that the main thing is that like a flu might have some really important impact on, I don't know, voter turnout and like just the very basic aspects of democracy. So there is so there's some more historical work. But like the, the consensus is that turnout. So 1918 was a midterm election year. So turnout's already not great. Right. Um. And, uh, there was also, there were also some like sociological things that were going on that like were just voters were not terribly, uh, enthused about voting generally, but, uh, it, there was a major decrease in voting between 1914 and 1918, um, because everyone was dead or the elections went on, the elections went on, um, sort of as, as normal. And yeah, I mean, part of that can be accounted for by the the dead. But even if you just think about it as the percentage of, of voting age population, um, of course, it's kind of hard to calculate with historical statistics. But like, yeah, turnout went down. Um, mm-hmm. The thing that's mm-hmm. interesting about it, maybe the most interesting finding is that like turnout went down. There were weird cases like there was a case in Idaho where there was a challenge to the quarantining of a community and this had prevented people from voting. Um, and there were some challenges to the sort of the legitimacy of the approach that the public health authorities used. Um, Mm -hmm. but like the thing that's really interesting is that like, when you look at the contemporaneous reporting, Mm -hmm. mostly people don't talk about the flu. Um, Hmm. and, uh, mostly people don't talk there. There's not a lot of, um, suggestion that anyone perceived the elections as being illegitimate, Mm-hmm. As a result of them being held during the uh, during the pandemic, um, so that's already so, completely different from today. <laughs> yeah, and I think well, I mean it's like one one other way of thinking about it is that like we there is this uh, deep deep suspicion of uh, most moves that I think election authorities uh, would make, 
and mm-hmm. and it comes for entirely good reasons because now we have this category of action which is very visible which is like uh uh fucking over voters and uh rigging elections and and things like that and there's you know obviously like things that a uh, party that had already like gerrymandered the legislature would do i don't know probably reasonable to be concerned and to perceive their actions as maybe not having a legitimate basis but i think this is like this this illustrates for me how absolutely dangerous a moment this is because the just the extent to which trust just how low trust is and the fact that like what is coming is an economic uh, collapse that mm-hmm. that Congress does not seem really up to the task of dealing with swiftly no. Uh, no. because apparently like it's, you know, the, the, the initially the way that the story had been reported about paid sick leave was that Pelosi was uh, being responsive to the demands of the Trump administration. And the revised reporting was that in fact, she was being responsive to the demands of major uh, business associations. Um, like right. the fact, like that kind of procedural uh, and, and like, you know, interest group intermediation, like morass plus the economic collapse, plus all of this distrust in institutions. Like this is something that, that this is just like perilous. It's, it's absolutely perilous. And that's why I think, the the one thing that we tend to do as these terrible events happen is we sit back and we wait for the wave to, it seems like this is what it feels like anyway. I don't know. I say we tend to, we've never tended to any of this, but uh, <laughs> right. like this right. is what it feels like is people are sitting back waiting for the wave to crest and hoping that it will be blissful when the wave ultimately crashes, but yeah. uh, it'll be a sort of peaceful thing. Uh, but it's, it won't be. Um, and there are things that you can do as the wave crests. Um, and specifically it's like the question of, uh, how's the DNC going to go? What are the responses of these different actors going to, going to be? It's like, we need to be thinking very, very clear about what we want to see and like the world that we want to interpose into this like future timeline. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that um, Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer really know very much about the immediate day-to-day needs of a restaurant worker who might have just been laid off. No. You know what I mean? Um, it's it's kind of in a situation where, like, I feel like they have been, they, I mean, like, like Congress has been acting like if they just, like, turn and face the corner and cover their eyes, everything will be fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that we are still playing by the same standards and the same rules and that the same parameters still exist. And like, I, you know, Mm -hmm. I just think it's incredibly naive to not be thinking about any and all options right now and any and all solutions and really like doing good work instead of doing make work, like busy work that they've made for themselves, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, I... (sighs) I kind of hate this baseball metaphor, but it it sort of is how I think often about like the Democrats and how fucking just like spineless they often are is like that they don't Mm -hmm. swing at anything. Right. It's like they they're kind of like always waiting for like the, the bigger pitch to swing at. And this is like the biggest fucking easiest pitch to swing at. Right. Like just just go as hard as you possibly can and look like you're doing as much as you possibly can and and 
truly they're still just like well, i don't know i, think, I mean I, I think that's what i meant by the state of exception thing right because it's yeah. like if this if like if if that is your theory of politics it's like okay carl schmidt come on down you've won <laughs> a fucking chance to t- chance to redeem yourself like like swing for the fences now or whatever but right. like that's mm-hmm. obviously but it does actually in this moment it actually shows what their true political nature is which is right. to like the furthest that they have is this like little tweak which isn't really gonna ultimately do anything and meanwhile it's like um yeah but well but i think importantly though meanwhile it's not just the democrats it's like everyone from um like i i feel like this in part is also similar to what we were talking about before which is that like you know all these uh local and state officials were like were and still in some cases are dragging their feet on imposing um Mm -hmm. or in like not imposing but in um taking more or in being more clear in terms of the actual um threat here in taking measures to either like redirect things or close things down for public safety mm-hmm. um reasons right which right. could have like helped mitigate a bigger disaster and instead it's like you know you know you even have like uh there was a there was like a report from like chase today that said like oh yeah quarter two is going to be down negative 18 uh percent but then we'll get a bump back in quarter three at like plus eight percent from what that's that's from what unreal uh optimism especially it's like if look the best case scenario is like we flatten the curve real quick right right we but if we do that economic demand like in that scenario i think there's a there's a a paper out that, that suggests that like if you do that, like the best case scenario, like economic demand declines by like 50% and, <laughs> um, yeah. and getting, and like coming back from that, if people don't have social insurance that allows them to keep getting paid so that they don't have to be rehired so that they, they right. don't have to be like, let go. Right. The, right. the consequences of that are going to be so protracted that yeah. we're not going to rebound in the next year. This is we're we'll we'll be entering something like the Great Depression. Yeah, right, right. In the no, midst of, of a public and health it, crisis, exactly. And it, it it's also just like it should uh, the fact that like the Trump administration has been so fucking slow, right? And then essentially everybody is is showing to be like taking cues from them. Mm-hmm. It, on on top of that, it just it just means that like you know that there isn't going to be. Like, like he's going to get essentially all of the the positives of sort of like looking like he's doing the most because nobody else like has bothered to like challenge him in any way, even though, mm-hmm. you know, like essentially the policies that they're that they're uh, proposing are the like disaster version of austerity. Right. Like it's the it's the pandemic version of austerity, like the idea of like, I don't know what it, it was. It was Romney who proposed like just a $1,000 lump sum payment. Like, right. I mean, cool. You know, the, one of the other things I really wanted to touch on today is sort of some of the other stuff that's going on. Some of the quote unquote private innovation that we've all been waiting for. Oh God. Yeah. Um, you know, like, like Palantir and shit. Uh, yeah. Like Palantir and Clearview AI, um, to tech firms, uh, is both are they tech firms really though? Technically, yeah, I guess so. Uh. Um, so they they are both in discussion with the government about um, bidding on the contract to implement massive um, biosurveillance tools. Mm-hmm. So facial recognition tracking. So if you're um, uh, if you're one of those people who thought that maybe you know 
ill or sick people in the United States had any sort of like privacy or basic dignity, um, be, be prepared to find out what it's like for uh, B and others, <laughs> basically. Well, I mean, the thing that like is really frustrating is that, you know, so you see this as an attempt, right, to implement like widespread surveillance tools, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, the like value of the information that these tools would gather, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not totally sure how effective or useful they're going to necessarily be in fighting corona unless you have sat down and watched contagion and you would also <laughs> like to watch a sequence where you say computer enhance on yeah. video footage of people infecting each other with coronavirus. But if you're, you know, doing anything other than dicking around on your computer playing CSI, um, a bunch <laughs> of like facial recognition and like person tracking is going to show you a disease vector that you still won't have enough fucking hospital beds or ventilators to deal with. Yeah. So who right. cares? Right. It's just making sure everyone gets their piece of the pie as we dole out our disaster contracts. Right. right. They're treating this like any other crisis. And I really feel like we're in a race right now. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. industry, private companies. We've got, um, you know, the fossil fuel industry, the hospitality industry, the airplane industry, um, tech and surveillance. Everybody's making sure that they get their handouts. Right. Making sure that they're good. Yeah. That they're good, that they're mm-hmm. covered. Not necessarily their employees as well. Of course not. Mind you. Yeah. No. Um, no, but no, their Marriott's bottom line gonna, is Marriott's fine. Gonna like, Marriott's going to like sell off all of their hotels to be like uh, COVID wards at like double the, the market rate for the real estate and then they're going <laughs> to shut down. Yeah. Well, and like the airline industry is basically actively fighting against all the stuff that the flight attendants union is like very, very awesomely fighting for right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. I mean, so we've got sort of this, this, um, this competing interest to uh, the survival of humanity, shall we, shall we say, and that's um, yeah. private companies, which also need saving and need saving first because they're the most vulnerable of all people because they are not corporeal. So they're extra vulnerable, <laughs> I guess. I'm not sure what the value judgment is here because they are given priority. Right. Being, yeah. to being, a corporation is a, being a corporation is a pre-existing condition. Just saying. Well, this is I mean, this is why I want to like I want to move up to the I want to like scale up to the level of like scenario scenario level thinking on this shit, um, which okay. is like Take us there. Yeah. I mean, we, we've got to elevate it because I think otherwise we just get trapped in this sort of like, what is the day to day politics of this look like? But they're yeah. very, very different, like world life condition like scenarios. The one that you start the that that there is sort of tacitly being advanced, um, certainly by the the people who are clinging to like the neoliberal consensus of the last thirty to forty years is like a mm-hmm. a very very large number of deaths will happen, and right. we will uh, be sad, and there will be some uh, you know we will have some like monuments built around that. But, uh, but we're going to go, we're soldiering on and like those deaths are, that's, that's just, that's the cost of doing business. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like when the, the laugher, uh, Arthur laugher and like the, these like economists like come out of the grave of like the Reagan era and like issue this like statement that's like, you know, actually people don't need to be, they don't need to be supported in this, uh, you know, in what's coming, like we should not be giving people money so that they can stay home from work. 
Um, right. That's and, like, I mean, oh, just to, okay. Yeah. Just to be clear to you for the listeners, you're talking about like a joint letter by Art Laff- or Arthur Laffer, uh, famously of the Laffer Curve, um, <laughs> Stephen Moore and uh, Steve Forbes of all fucking people, um, which basically argued that again, um, I thought, that, I thought half of these people were dead. I, I mean, right, yeah, right. at least no, exactly. 1.5 of them were dead. So these, so these, these, uh, three, Don't worry, they soon will be. <laughs> so yeah, these, these three whites have like risen from the fucking grave and have penned a letter saying that like, don't, don't, don't you dare do any sort of meaningful social policy Don't work because growth. it will, yeah, it will inhibit inhibit growth and it will stop people from feeling the need to return to work. Fuck yourself. So like that's a plan. That's a look at all the growth we've seen in the last month. It's just been just stupendous. I really think that COVID is is uh, the hand of the market. Just yeah, you know, COVID mm-hmm. futures are are whew. yeah. Well, they're also of course <laughs> calling for a cut on uh, payroll tax. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they Ugh. also want um, treasury bonds at very low rates and short term loans, which I don't know how a short term loan. Some of that loan, stuff they already got, basically. Yeah, I don't know how a short term loan could literally benefit anyone other than, um, you know, yeah. a, a company that has the ability to pay it back. Right. Like if we think mm-hmm. about a lot of the companies that uh, are closing, right, those aren't necessarily companies, but it's maybe the guy who runs the shoe repair store down the street mm. from you or mm-hmm. the bodega or the hair salon or the restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. Like these or literally are place- every small gallery on the Lower East Side. Right. And li- I mean, literally today, McNally Jackson Independent Bookstore laid off 80 workers. Laid off 80 people and They have just, 80 workers? Fuck. They they had just recently expanded to having multiple stores. So they yeah. just they closed their stores, laid off 80 people. And anyway, but uh, I Ugh. think I interrupted you, Sorry. Uh, Phil. Yeah, I mean, no, it's just, but like, that's, I mean, we could, we could talk about that as like, oh, wow, how, you know, what a stupid ideology to maintain in these times. But like, no, no, that, that's not just like holding on to the past. That's a plan. That's a plan yeah. to kill. That's a plan for something on the order of genocide. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, right. and, and and then there's sort of like other levels of this thinking, which is like the implicit sort of uh, Herman Kahn, um, <laughs> like Cold War, like cost benefit analysis, which is like, well, you know, people are going to die. Um, what we need to do is like somehow solve solve this system under like three different three different equations like one is like yes we want to sort of minimize the deaths yes at the same time we want to like we basically don't want people to riot yeah like that's why i think you're starting to see some of these measures come out that are like uh that's why ubi is being advanced at least as an idea because it's like i agree unless you know i think that's that that is a deliberate like that that's the equivalent of the military hospital outside of like on the boat Mm -hmm. like that's when you start to see that they're pacification strategies yeah and then you start to see the other thing it's like that is how seriously people are taking it that is how worried uh people are about massive massive disruption uh Mm -hmm. to uh to the order of things and so i think in the absence of a, you know, any sort of trust that that these institutions are going to work out and like and everyone agrees that they failed and are failing. And even the even the New York Times is like, this is redi- like when Pelosi's plan came out is like, this mm-hmm. is ridiculous. <laughs> everyone agrees that they mm-hmm. failed. But saying that they failed is not enough. You have to have a different set of demands and you have to have a way of advancing them like mm-hmm. immediately because otherwise they're going to get swallowed and we will that we will be sliding into something very very dark so we're, mm-hmm. we're currently sliding i mean we there is a cdc re- 
glide path. Yeah. yeah, we're on the glide path to to a you know, you know, it's uh, to where, some population where you know, you know reduction. Where. You know where to mm. so some population reduction, and a lot of Bingo. these guys ascribe to the philosophy that what well, we kind of need to combat ch- climate change is just a little bit of population reduction, right? I yeah. mean, it's half of the scientists that um, were on Jeffrey Epstein's donation list from MIT Labs have all put out op-eds this week that I've debunked. Some of them in our <laughs> server, some of them through personal DMs, that's like true. a bunch of the scientists that he's personally that's, funded. That's, no, uh, I'm just op-eds saying is, uh, op-eds is generous. There are medium posts. They are Liz no, no, Warren no, 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 level. No, there were some actual op-ed no, ones. Okay, yeah, fine. but it's it's like a bunch of these MIT Media Lab guys who have all studied stuff like evolutionary AI or mm-hmm. like the computer design of sociology or like bio <laughs> yeah. uh, bioethics or whatever. Like these are all theoretical mathematicians or statisticians who are calling themselves like AI experts, right? These are people who basically do projects that are like, I'm going to take like a hundred thousand scans of like, uh, different types of manga or something and do a visual analysis to see if they're like key types of forms or whatever in the like real project I'm fucking talking about. Right, no, one of the people who um who an article of his ID bunk that was saying that basically like that this was gonna sort of change the life expectancy and that people were just gonna stop being able to live past sixty five because corona would never go away. Oh that's great. Just change your expectations. It's like a very Logan's <laughs> run sort of situation, right? So they're like they're like, no no, it's actually Logan's run. It's great. Um, he is best known for basically, um, scanning hot people and trying to find statistical corollaries (laughs) between measurements on their face in terms of the distance between like features and the size. So basically he he watched weird science. I was going to say he watched weird science as a kid and was like, what if, what if we could make the perfect babe? Man, these guys had a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just AI phrenology, right? Yeah. Exactly. So they're like, so a lot of the stuff that's come out that's been like, all right, like we just got to buckle up and get ready for the wave of cleansing people are coming from like AI phrenologists <laughs> yeah. or other people who work in and around Harvard and MIT in that capacity, shall we say. What isn't like, AI phrenology these days, really? <sighs> I mean, hundred bucks that there's somebody on. Well, Michaela. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hundred bucks that there's somebody like deep in the bowels of the MIT Media Lab who actually has that title. Probably. So, but but we do know some I, like solid facts about this situation, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think most importantly that this is the beginning of the spread and severity, mm-hmm. and that we're looking at eighteen months or longer, mm-hmm. multiple waves of illness. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to the nineteen eighteen epidemic, um, the Spanish flu. Now we know that we're going to have supply chain problems. Right. We know that we're going to have problems with medical equipment and manufacturing. We know we're going to have problems with transportation, um, with housing. Right. Yeah. So. Well, and some of the problems we are already seeing, you know, we have a problem, as we talked about in the last one, we have a problem with um, ventilators, you know, mm-hmm. ventilator supply, which is uh, which is unfortunately really necessary to keep people alive if they do have it and they have a chance of living mm-hmm. um, to which I will just just want to point out that um, Boris Johnson's plan to alleviate this uh, supply chain shortage in the United Kingdom is literally he joked literally he joked the other day that their plan to build a bunch of new respirators would be titled Operation Last Gasp. Wow, he's so funny. Yeah, so the fucking funny. Cannot. He's like a yeah. 
It's like that kid in the class who just couldn't get his shit together. Yeah, I mean, so it's uh, kind of like, what is our what does our world look like eight months from now if all we do is make contracts with Palantir and send military boats to just save New York? You know, like, what kind of world are we actually looking at if we do not get some... Children of men. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. Think I, uh, I, I think that if nothing is... If, if the economic depths get as bad as right now what the projections suggest that's assuming like again this is assuming that we succeed in flattening the curve if we're good if we are good at what we're doing and we don't do anything else we just like imagine Mm -hmm. that we flatten the curve perfectly um we're going it's going to be one of the largest like economic you know declines ever and so we will see you know and if, if nothing is done really on that i mean how would you not expect there to be like mass looting mm-hmm. i would think rioting mm-hmm. um like th- there's there's some regularity to this no uh and so like in the absence of 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 any measures i would assume that then repression state repression mm-hmm. and then the justification of martial law maybe on a grander scale i don't know maybe that's <laughs> i'm I'm just Sorry, trying I'm to think only about laughing, thinking about Marco Rubio spelling martial law wrong. Yeah. I'm just, this is not an the appropriate time to laugh. <laughs> Marshall Crenshaw law. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, children of men. I mean, we're looking at widespread shortages. Um, the 18-month figure is dependent on developing a vaccine. Um, yep. That's not something I think we should be betting on. <laughs> um, I don't think we need to bank on vaccine development i think vaccine development should be a separate but equal uh trajectory of scientific investigation that happens concurrently with current management of the disease at the level that we can treat it now i do not think that we should be thinking of this as oh we just have to hold on until the vaccine Mm -hmm. right because the vaccine also on day one is not going to like enter the supply chain immediately nor is vaccine development a sure bet ever right right Right. particularly as we talked about on our three-hour xxl corona episode you know this is a a a virus that picks up multiple receptors right that evolves really quickly so also like the development of a virus might take a couple years to be able to be like anticipatory to the Mm -hmm. next year's COVID-19 iteration. Yeah. But, you know, we, I think we need to one sort of like really push from every level, like internationally speaking, um, you know, in Idaho today. So they haven't done anything about coronavirus at all this week, but what they have done is pass two bills restricting the rights of trans people in the state of Idaho. Awful. It's (sighs) disgusting. You have to keep doing what you're doing or else the virus wins. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, I think that what is to a, me, what is a world where we can't restrict trans rights? <laughs> Jesus. Exactly. It's the last we are thing going we to have. Red Robin. And after we go to Red Robin, we are going to restrict trans rights. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, Red Robin. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, are they our sponsor this week? Um, yeah. Sure. Anyway, I, I also think like just on the on the question of like ventilators, I wanted to sort of like pose this to you guys because it feels like even if that, you know, as like a challenge or like that we're that we're sort of like dealing with at the moment, right at this at the just the very inception of this crisis, like even if we are able to get that sort of a thing under control, just based on how quickly like news has changed, events have changed, like 
the sort of situation on the ground has been changing. Like, I feel like we're going to basically have a like a different just from sort of like, you know, like, I don't know, everyday person point of view, like there's going to be a, a new issue of that grave, like importance, like it feels like every week for the next like 18 months during this crisis. Yeah, I mean, the ventilators is an important topic, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. we need to start really shifting production to PPEs and mm-hmm. ventilators. And um, I think most importantly, the best thing that we can do is like house people mm-hmm. who are unhoused. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, really, uh, really, really enforce, you know, people staying at home mm-hmm. and the state Thankfully, needs to facilitate of, it yeah there are a lot of empty condos in new york you know right yeah i, I mean Artie, you can cut this time out if buildings you want, full of them but the ventilators won't be ready in time for this wave i know like well especially not if we've not placed the united states government has not placed an order for them right how many <laughs> weeks is it going to take to get the po approved right yeah like um <laughs> we if we were halfway if we were three months into production on these ventilators it might have a impact on the tail end of this Mm -hmm. wave but we cannot keep sitting and waiting for these things that are um told to us like they are sure bets just around the corner but are subject to the um issues of the supply chain and the way that they're being described is like in in an unrealistic time frame right Mm -hmm. like we've already fucked up this wave (laughs) That's that's why I think that this sort of like the view of all of this stuff that you get on, I mean, I, I think just like in, when you pick up the newspaper or even like, you know, God forbid you listen to like the weeds or something <laughs> or just like, or your, or your standard, Are like they even still de- fucking recording. No, I'll, I'll actually, I'll make, I'll, I'll make it even one better Phil. Uh, I, cause I've been having this experience cause it's not just the stuff that you seek out. It's also the experience of like, when you go like uh, you alluded to before, Phil, like you're taking more uh, trips to like the store than, than we are. But, you know, every every couple of days we're taking like a big supply run or at least I am. And like the experience of basically stepping into a store and hearing there's like a radio playing in the background or maybe there's like literally like cable news on or something. And everything sounds literally like straight out of uh, like sci-fi this is literally the end of the world uh thing like day mm-hmm. 1000 of the coronavirus pandemic has revi- you know what i mean like, right totally so it, again yeah not even the stuff that you that you seek out but also just the fact that like everything there's there is a completely fatalistic um well i i mean so i would i would challenge that a little bit because i think it's uh how to describe it it's the way that it feels or the way that it seems in these sort of like mediated spaces like NPR is like there's that fatalism, but it's sort of wrapped in a LARPing bubble. They're like, <laughs> mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's a very weird sort of, um, uh, almost like distance or detachment in some of these reports that I think allows the analysis of what's going on to like be just like bled dry of any kind of sociology, uh, or mm-hmm. any kind of like mm-hmm. understanding of the social effects of these decisions. So just just think about this. What B is saying is right. We are proje- uh, projecting these images. Like yes, we are getting things done. Uh, we are passing this legislation. We are going to be taking care of people. Families first. Act. Uh, you know, t- take your pick. Right, Democrats, Republicans, the entire lot. 
these things are not, and then you go and actually look what they are. It's like, oh yeah, actually 50% of the workforce isn't covered by that at all. And like, you know, what, whatever, like you realize just, you actually begin to see things at scale. Mm-hmm. What is the sociological like response they going to be? Yes. You've told me that we would be okay. And now we're not right. okay. Right. Right. Fuck you. Uh, like, the problem I, like is how, we're not, how we're, is, you know, I just don't, I don't see how support for like basic democracy, like survives that, uh, mm-hmm. the basic, you know, institutions survive that there will become a, de- a demand that's rising unless we do something really, really drastic, uh, a demand will rise for something else. And that is, that's actually how you begin to see, um, yeah, a different things fall apart. Categorically different form of government. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I totally think Phil's right. And I feel like it's going to coincide with sort of like the, the, the death tolls starting to rise really quickly. And then also a lot more sort of certainty about like understanding how the disease progresses. Like we're all staying at home right now. Right. Because we, we, we sort of don't understand it at all, but like there, there's just going to be, we should be staying home more is what I'm saying that like oh. staying home though is the only is essentially the only NPI that we have in this fight. Right. Oh no, that's, like, that's, I, I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just saying that, that, that the, the sort of the the rage from people and the desire for like what Phil was saying, sort of like a a, a you know new form of of governance or you know whatever or, or like the real falling apart shit is going to happen when people like you know when like grandma starts to die like that's the that's sort of what I'm saying is like I feel like that's like in a month or so right like grandmas that's, that's grandmas not gonna are, be a month grandmas are dying. <laughs> Sure. It's going to be thing, like, we're, I think we're looking at a critical, days. sorry, a critical mass of grandmas have to die. Yeah, Do they days, though? That's but, what I'm saying. No, no, but it's okay. It's fundamentally not about like any of those like pressure point, like wait to wait until like average person break breaks mm-hmm. things or whatever. It's the, like, this is why it's so incumbent on us, especially those who are politically active already right now um, from, you know, the, the sort of, like least left wing of the Sanders campaign to like people who are like so far to be out to like so far left to be like dismissive of electoral politics as like the pot is a possible avenue for affecting change. Right. Mm-hmm. For like all of us to be as actively agitating for the things which will, mm-hmm. which could like pro- potentially uh, even at this point, just fucking mitigate damage. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause like we're, we are clearly already in it. Like it's I mean, Here's the thing, like there's a study that came out um, out of the WHO's infectious disease modeling department, right? And it talks about mitigation strategies and it also talks about this thing called NPI, right? And NPI is a non-pharmaceutical intervention, right? Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. um, you know, an NPI for me would be like caffeine, right? or exercise or whatever. Um, and that's to treat my regular disease or getting a lot of sleep sort of things that you can do that are not really optional, right? Mm -hmm. They're, um, they're kind of required and like wide scale suppression of movement and, you know, in place self quarantine and, and restriction that should be supported by the state is the only thing we can do. Right. If yeah. we, if we had if we I'm, I keep we ta- I keep talking about things like as if we had done them like a week ago and that makes them feel like they've already passed the opportunity of being effective and in a way they have but I think I need yeah. to start th- talking about it differently but we have to immediately stay inside more mm-hmm. yeah like we are looking at 
in a matter of days getting really hit with it, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think we should have to wait for a mass wave of deaths. By that point, it's already too late in a sense. And we know Mm -hmm. that that's a possibility, if not a likelihood. It's Mm -hmm. highly probable, I'd say. So, you know, we... We've already missed the point for optimal mitigation, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So we need to now get serious. And my concern is that, you know, uh, as great as it is that people are talking about UBI and the federal government, like that there is not a single aspect of this response in the United States or frankly in the UK that has been serious so far. And physicians are already exhausted. Many of them have just basically said goodbye to their families for the foreseeable future. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Most practitioners will probably get this right. Mm -hmm. Our medical system will be overloaded. We will run out of ICU beds. We will run out of ventilators. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we need to start thinking about this as like, oh, shit, we instead of, oh, shit, we should have done this two weeks ago. We need to be mad, I think. And we need to like start calling everybody. And I think you know, they're listening, obviously listening to somebody, right? Mm -hmm. We might as well clog their phone lines. We're all at home. We should be at home more. Yeah. You know, while the phone lines are on, while there's electricity, while there's internet, not to be, not to be like alarmist, but for real, like, I, I just think that the safe thing to do would be to plan for and consider all likelihoods isn't that if what like if you feel like you're overreacting you're doing it right right mm-hmm. yeah that's the problem the best case scenario is that we overreact and we feel silly because we avoided disaster right you know there's no what there's no upside to posturing and acting cool and feeling like you don't need to listen to the rules because like fuck the government you're young and healthy you know mm-hmm. like cool bro awesome you know that it's not i don't know why anyone fucking cares about coming out of this with any sort of like acting cool right i understand that if you're like so anxious because nothing is confirmed or whatever you don't know what to do and you don't want to what look stupid for trying to not get sick we should all try not to get sick like this yeah all the time it would be great Mm -hmm. (laughs) like yeah we should have paid leave all the fucking time so that people at Chipotle don't have to go to work sick. And then maybe one day I'll be able to try Chipotle and I can enjoy that for the first time. <laughs> yeah, but, like, you want, and but this kind of gets to the thing, even like 14 days or whatever, even if they were able to somehow pass universal 14 days guaranteed like sick leave or whatever, somehow like that's not going to do like practically anything. Right. right. Especially it's like, not nearly long enough. That's not nearly enough. If you're forcing all these people to go to work, right. If you don't have like controlled, clean ways of trans, like transporting people around a city in order to do literally the vital minimum needed to make sure everyone is housed, fed, has electricity, heat, water, et cetera, nutritious food. Right. Um, like if you don't just like facilitate people being able to do that. Right. And you sort of allow like companies piecemeal to be making these decisions. Like, yes, you avoid blame. Right. Cause you can say, Oh, well, like I did the best I could. I pushed against the Republicans and they wanted this and that. And you know, it, it, it fell to McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. that's like, frankly, unacceptable. Like, I don't think most people would accept that excuse in any context other than in politics. 
right? I yeah. mean, the other thing is, like, it's entirely possible that the the people who rule us will do something that looks <laughs> like to some people the right thing eventually. But the important thing is that now that it be seen that it was people making a mass demand that forced them to do that. Yeah. That's the thing that we need right now, because again, they might do, you know, it's like they might, uh, you know, put a temporary, uh, moratorium on debt or whatever. Um, but if it doesn't look like very, very clearly that they are being forced to do that by a large number of people, it will be hard to build the power that we need to sustain anything that looks like democratic, mm-hmm. uh, you know, social mobilization. Uh, in this moment, you have right. to like take action. And again, this is the other thing. It's worth thinking about this like you think about uh, thinking in an emergency or public health crisis. Yeah. Um, you have to, you, you will not be making the perfect decision or you will not be like, there's no like perfect or pristine set of demands. Just go hard, overreact, you know, ask for literally everything. Um, and that's, and I think that's like, Like yeah, I was posting earlier, like time for an intellectual property Jubilee, Mm -hmm. like let people post whatever they want, (laughs) let people take it, like let people, uh, you know, um, distribute millions of copies of frozen two or whatever. (laughs) Right. Um, or, you know, I mean, I think we should, I think our mindset mindset should be that we're looking at 24 months of fucking chaos and a very difficult time for everyone in the entire mm-hmm. world and that if we're lucky and we work hard and work together, then maybe we can shorten that down to say 18 months. And I think mm-hmm. no matter how dark it gets, I think the important thing is that it's, I, I think in moments particularly like this, it is absolutely necessary that every, like, again, if you're mad or upset or worried or something, you're right. And also, in a moment like this, there is like the possibility that like we could this. These are the moments that change. These are literally the moments that can fucking change history. Yep. You know what I mean? These are right. this is potentially a major pivot point, historical pivot point. There is a lot that we could win. I don't think we should even say potentially. I this. think it's quite regardless. Clear. It will be this. I think. Right. Yeah. This yeah. is a unprecedented event in global history. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A friend who's a historian was saying, like, it's weird. Like, I don't even feel like I understand what my job is anymore. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. what's the point in, in like, studying history, right? If I am living in a moment more complex than anyone I've ever studied in the past. Right. right? And that perhaps my analysis and skills could be better put to use on working on things that are forward looking instead of archival. Right. Which like is not to say that like all history should I be mean, dumped to the side, but like if like, go ahead, if I just, you know, I do think that we should be looking at, uh, at like two years and all working together to try and make it short. How to put it in. I think in these moments it becomes very clear, uh, what can quite easily disappear from or be written out of history. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and how it can happen very abruptly. Um, so, you know, also it's entirely possible that it just like goes to show if, if previous periods maybe seem less complicated, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, well, I mean, you know, a lot of, uh, it's true. Like in a lot of accounts of world war one, you do not hear about the Spanish influenza. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to point out that saying Spanish flu is basically like saying Wuhan virus. That's so true. I think 1918 flu. flu is yeah. better. But okay, so so all all doom and gloom aside, like I I do think this is a generative moment. And mm-hmm. I think we have to like all work together to stay out of the doom and gloom because the doom and gloom is also them winning. Um, the more paralyzed we are by fear, um, the more prone we will be towards inaction and, you know, selfish hoarding and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think it's like a really important time, though, to just if we can't bring our bodies there. Right. <laughs> like we should be calling these fuckers all day, every day. Mm hmm. And so, try yeah, and so show pressure people... the only way we can, you know. Yeah. So let's talk about what people should be asking for then. Totally. So when you're calling your mayor, governor, state representative, city state senator, member. city council member, community board president, co-op board president, mom, mom, brother, <laughs> uh, anyone, literally, um, what what do we what should we be asking for? I think. Uh, you, you want somebody Maybe. to start or <laughs> I don't know like who wants to jump in first do we want to sort of start with we've talked a lot about um Ooh, cancellation uh, of all debt sorry that's sure we'll start with that debt jubilee <laughs> yeah right? debt jubilee for sure there's historic precedent for this right Artie mm-hmm. we've had this uh sort of brought into the public consciousness as a result of this campaign cycle right because mm-hmm. we've had all this discussion of are we going to pay for rich kids to go to college, blah, 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 whatever. Totally. Um, you know, so, but beyond that, beyond like abolition of debt and um, some sort of cash assistance, like mm-hmm. let's expand this into some more like structural stuff. Right. Uh, Phil, you've been doing a lot of writing yeah. about this. Yeah. So I've been working on, I'll just don't, not to spoil the surprise. I've been working on a uh, list of demands for Milwaukee DSA. Uh, nice. that we're going to be making to the governor and, and state and local officials. But like, I guess we just thought about this in terms of, uh, the basic sort of, uh, triad of, of human needs, um, uh, shelter, uh, food and water mm-hmm. and, um, the sort of basic, you know, ability to, uh, to live, right. The, uh, mm-hmm. communications and, mm-hmm. um, uh, the, the ability to connect with, uh, with other people. So, um, the first thing would be just at least, at least minimum eight week, eight weeks of paid sick leave mm-hmm. minimum. Um, any kind of, uh, barriers to receiving unemployment benefits need to go away, uh, right now. And anybody who's doing anything that's been affected by the crisis in any way, right? This is one of the problems that I think you get into with some of these democratic proposals, which is like, well, you qualify for this if you are directly providing care yeah, to somebody exactly. who has been affected Hello. by, who has a diagnosis. You Certain have been, you have a diagnosis. And right. right. Work requirements. So the, the thing about, the thing about crises is they're systemic, which means that they have ripple effects that go through the entire economy. So if you have any kind of thing within them, any kind of thing within those plans that like creates an administrative hurdle, the money doesn't get out there right. and yeah. people mm-hmm. starve and things go even they're going to shit. They're going to go to shit even quicker and in an uglier way. So, uh, more unconditional, uh, mm-hmm. assistance, uh, unemployment mm-hmm. insurance. Um, we said forgiveness of, of all fees and debts for anything related to utilities, housing, basic services, um, moratorium mm-hmm. on evictions, housing foreclosures, rent, mortgage payments, um, immediate usage of the power of the state to expand uh, 
for the moment, again, this is the bare minimum Medicaid for everyone. Um, um, and then, uh, elimination of all barriers to the rest of the public assistance that we already have on the books, SNAP, TANF. I guess to to be totally clear, you're talking about these are these are demands that you're lobbying at um, representatives who basically you in a way you're almost like shaming them, essentially, like this. If you were even going to try to be like, right, this a, is like a liberal or something, minimum. you should be. Yeah, doing this is these this things. is like, yeah, if they're this not what doing liberals these, should be asking for this, this is what thing. liberals right. should. Yeah, exactly. So the idea, though, is, you know, there are there are different tiers of demands. Um, ultimately, these are the absolute bare minimum. And then we actually, there's a, there's a different tier, uh, of demands. That's actually what we, what we really want, uh, Mm -hmm. which is of course, Medicare for all. And you know, the, the nationalization of these industries that ultimately is going to need to happen. There's going to be no other way of Mm -hmm. directing, uh, uh, care efficiently to where it needs to go. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so we can think about things like that as well, but this sort of first batch is just to sort of it's both to make the demands and then if they can't be met that becomes a really important moment of sort of situational uh, awareness for people mm-hmm. uh, how right. legitimate how legitimate is this form of of you know of rule uh if these basic demands can't be met the thing that i feel mm-hmm. like could be the most useful to push on universally because it's like the most uh universally applic- applicable from state to state and would be the most immediately like materially helpful for this crisis i think would be to push for homes for all for like opening up any unoccupied properties yeah. to someone yeah. who needs mm-hmm. a home and also that actually, for yeah. homes for all no paying no debt shelter from That's, evictions all ticket collections are suspended suspend the mm-hmm. like traffic stops right mortgages are suspended utilities are suspended loans are suspended foreclosures are barred evictions barred you know parking enforcement forget it right yeah. mm-hmm. like no paying no debt and well, homes also for all. rent rent and mortgage frozen Remove and then, the right, sanctions right, from Iran. I think that's and remove sanctions from Iran. But I think I think yeah, if you're calling your federal representatives, right, mm-hmm. push them on what we just did to Iran. Right, they already have mass graves, which we can see from satellite uh, surveillance of their country, and um, you know they've had members of parliament die. Um, people are very sick. They're already suffering under economic har- hardship because of the sanctions that we imposed. Yeah. And uh, the Trump administration had said, oh, we're going to like go back on some of that. Worse, but they changed their mind and they're actually going to increase sanctions, they announced today. Yeah. So I think like talking to federal representatives, like call their office and bug the shit out of them for, you know, no paying, no debt, suspension of rent and mortgage and homes for all and mm-hmm. Iran. Everyone mm-hmm. else below that level of government, you know, again, no paying, no debt, suspend all rent and mortgage and homes for all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, if you, think, and yeah. if you need if you need to channel your rage as you do this, consider there is a person who has been elected to office. My senator, Ron Johnson, who said the following, just summon this as you make your calls. He has said, quote. Getting coronavirus is not a death sentence, except for maybe no more than 3.4% of our population and probably far less. We don't shut down our economy because tens of thousands of people die on the highways, said Senator Ron Johnson. 
Who's if he if his address if his address were in this uh, news story, I would then give it out. Um, <laughs> wow. Said Ron Johnson before he was swallowed back into the hell that he came from. That really says it uh, all. The phone number Lord. for his office is 920-230-7250. Again, Ron Johnson's DC office is 920-230-7250. Yep. Just saying. Um, Plug up yeah, the switchboards. I, I mean, we uh, we know that they're taking lots of calls from lobbyists, so let's make it a little bit dif- like more yeah. difficult for them to um, return phone calls. This, I mean, the, the, all of this stuff is to say that I think that's why it's really good to see, um, for instance, like the Bur- like the Bernie Sanders uh, campaign plan that mm-hmm. came out um, yesterday. Uh, like I think late last night on the coronavirus um, included mm-hmm. that you know the fact that it includes a lot of things like you know provision we we talked about this like over the course of like so much uh, frankly so over the course of the whole last year in the podcast but like you know the the campaign are very reactive particularly to certain um organizations uh putting or like sorry certain grassroots groups putting together um like big public policy proposals one of which is like um the homes guarantee people which like they put out uh i think last week or uh or very Mm-hmm. early this week or something or over the weekend a um like a really good uh homes guarantee uh sort of like addendum basically to their existing mm-hmm. thing say you know saying mm-hmm. use like <clears throat> different provisions of public policy that should be used to to address this crisis in specific some of those things directly ended up in um in the sanders plan that was released um there's also you know stuff like even like um phil mentioned like expand snap like immediately there there are so many things that you could do i feel just so quickly and immediately to allevi- right. alleviate so much pain and suffering that is already happening and is going to be much worse and over a, the next few and weeks. And again, there's don't I would not listen to any any governor who tells you that this is not in my authority to do. This is yeah. definitely in your fucking emergency powers as a governor. If you don't do it, you should be literally prevented from entering your office. Well, uh, and here's here's the thing, and like a lot of people have said like you know, oh, well, we're going to just do like make calls, do phone banking. Like this is just more electoralism, but it's actually not because as we saw in Idaho, right? While everyone is panicking, some of them are not doing any work, but some of them are doing some really shady, bad work that is being passed under people's noses. So like the sort of strategy that Ronald Reagan recommends in his um, CD or record sorry where he decries socialist medicine is that don't just call you know the people who oppose this but call the people who support it yeah. right thank Blanket. them for their support yeah yeah thank them for their support push them further push them to empty jails you know uh yes. i think another good thing is like you could call about the housing and the rent and mortgage and you can call about health care right mm-hmm. so free treatment free testing like Etc. Empty like, jails, house everybody, feed everybody, medical treatment for everybody. Right, because Thought, right Green now, New Deal, frankly. the first positive case on Rikers Island was just announced during yeah. this recording. And um, if you recall, as we discussed, I think, three episodes ago, uh, the New York City plan for dealing with an epidemic like this is to uh, ferry the Rikers Island prisoners over into Manhattan to dig graves. So, um, you know, the uh, even the grave diggers are getting sick now, according to New York mm-hmm. City standards. Yeah. But, like, that does not um, 
take into account the fact that the majority of people who are in jail are in jail for nonviolent offenses or not being able to pay court fees or fines or tickets or bail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, I you mean, know. and there's always there's already a, a very important movement that more people should be a part of to close Rikers, obviously for prison abolition in general, mm-hmm. but to close Rikers specifically, like if th- this is this is the this it must happen. It must happen mm-hmm. soon. If you're in, if you're actually, if you live in New York, even if you don't live in New York or whatever, who cares? I don't fucking care. Call, call Cuomo. Just right. no call. Like, yeah, call, call, call and demand that Rikers uh, be closed and all of the prisoners freed. You know, mm-hmm. like this is not, this is not okay. The, like we don't have the right to sentence these people to death. We've seen in other countries, coronavirus rips through prison populations and just like it does in nursing home. Right. And the, and we are not like, we're putting a lot of these people are in there for like absolutely no, no fucking reason. Um, awaiting, need, I mean, awaiting a court date. Yeah, like, exactly. Right. And the courts are indefinitely closed. In a, so right, many of these people, people did nothing. Awaiting like, a court date. Like insane. And even the ones who did, exactly. I would rather them be fucking safe and healthy than right. be fucking locked up and like not have not and without like proper sanitation or anything like that. So so, yeah, if you think about it, this is also, you know, a pandemic safe form of direct action, because by tying up the phone lines, you prevent these fuckers from sneaking stuff in under the wire. You know what I mean? It's true. Well, I don't know if you prevent it, but I definitely yeah, different think different phone lines usually. Yeah, I mean, they're gonna be <laughs> no, 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 I think if you've got a majority of everyone's staff suddenly like inundated with being bothered on social media, like if this if the lower level staff are getting bothered over and over. They're going to have to talk to their bosses, the senior staff who are working on policy, (laughs) if the person has staff at all, because a lot of state senators don't, right? Mm -hmm. So at that level, it's particularly effective. But, you know, it's like if you tie up the lower level staff who are going to need approval on messaging and replies, it ties everybody up. Mm-hmm. Everybody's mm-hmm. leaning hard on their institutional bureaucracy right now because no one wants to say the wrong thing. So any like barrage that uh, the lowest level like uh, intern in someone's office is going to get is going to have to get thrown up the ladder. Right. That's why this is like even more effective now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do we have any final thoughts? Any last thing we want to get into before we wrap? Um, preview of coming attractions, general strike. Oh, I just, just want to put that out there. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are a few good ideas. I think that, um, you know, calling on people to suspend rent is our immediate emergent goal. You mm-hmm. know, um, I think that needs to be done by the end of the week. So um, everybody get to get work. Get to it. Get posting. You know, if you're if you can't get on the phone, just um, tweet at them until mm-hmm. they block you. Yeah. Right? Um, I don't know what. Then make an alt and do it. Do it all over again. <laughs> um, satire. So, um, so I think with that, that sort of wraps this episode. And um, is there anything else we want to cover? There was a lot that we didn't get a chance to get into, but it's. Mm, think I about mean, small acts of solidarity. I think that's also just something. And please stay inside, whatever you do. Yeah, biggest act of solidarity, staying inside. Stay inside, but do what you can to still be very vocal right now. Mm -hmm. I think that's the most important thing. I mean, yeah, this is. I know that after Tuesday, for example, even like a lot of the people wishing for the a big electoral victory through the Bernie Sanders campaign, you know, are feeling like really sad and despondent and 
lost basically um the mm-hmm. the you know that's not to say that like the path has closed up but it, the path is like much much narrower than it was even a few weeks ago but mm-hmm. i mean again if if they and we like push hard enough regardless of whether it results in like a bernie presidency or whatever but you know whatever um, what, i think will there even be a president after this right i mean if there's my point i guess is if there's going to be a president i think that at the very least all the uh very pragmatic smug liberals should take a real good look in the mirror and think about what they could have had Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, so we are in an altered state of exception, right? As we've discussed this whole episode, mm-hmm. um, a perpetual uh, sense of crisis abounds. Right. Mm-hmm. Trying to think about what the, but like, but the exception is uh, like, I mean, like one way to think of it is like, yes, we're in a state of exception and chronic emergency. Right. But the exception right. can be, can be twofold. Uh, the exception ultimately belongs to the the sovereign and the sovereign is a question. It's not of taken. It's not a foregone conclusion who, right. who holds sovereignty. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, there are people trying to impose a state of exception on us. We are, we get to decide what is exceptional and Hell we yeah. get to decide ultimately what, what the contours of this moment of exception uh, are. That is the radical possibility that uh, states of exception contain within them. They also contain this dark thing that we've been talking about the entire th- the entire uh, length of the episode. But like we have an opportunity right now to reconstruct or to construct really for the first time mm-hmm. um, a sense of like what solidarity uh, means uh, between people. Mm-hmm. And like I've honestly the, the best things that have happened this week were just um, being with people virtually and like doing things that we had never done because why, why? Because we're just so, you know, caught up in doing the normal, uh, sort of garbage that, uh, that we have to do. But like, there are these, there are these long stretches of time where you can actually build bonds uh, with people and, and actually fill that time with talking about what you need, um, uh, to live a, a dignified and decent life. And, mm-hmm. and to spend that time, um, thinking about the, the problem is like capitalism. So like polluted my brain that, <laughs> yeah. uh, the first, the first question that arose is like, well, how do I somehow just stay on an even keel with, with everything that's been, uh, with happening? Like, how can I just proceed to just continue to do my research in just the exact same way that I was <laughs> doing? Like capitalism makes you think about this idea of resilience as like bouncing back to this prior state, but that's not where we are. Right. Like mm-hmm. you have to, right. 8% third quarter. Yeah. <laughs> like you have to be using the, the power that you have, any power that you have, uh, to build uh, solidarity because, that's we have this like it's a moment of opportunity for us i quite mm-hmm. literally could not have said it yeah. better myself no and, and I, I think that's a very positive note i think you're very you're very right there phil Thank i mean you. it's been interesting you know uh, this is obviously how to put it um this, this is a very this this is a a much less extreme example but you know even though obviously um b and i are doing like self-isolation etc it's been very interesting because we've been um trying to like uh i don't know like share information and resources and help with like both like everyone in our discord essentially but also with like other friends um and there are other things that we're going to be doing for instance that i feel like are just i don't know like things that we wanted to be doing and be there in terms of like being there for our community even Mm -hmm. 
Um, things as simple as like streaming, which we're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we've been doing know. watch parties. We've got, um, a couple game nights, I think that have been scheduled in the server today, yeah. like a Some, virtual uh, tabletop gaming, which, you know. yeah, that, that itself is a, is like a community. Right. Exactly. Thing. Yeah. But, so mm-hmm. we've got sort of these community events that are going, we're trying to sort of be out and social online as yeah. much as we can well, because like sociality is going to be completely remapped in the next couple of months which right. is in, kind of incredible and even right? though Artie and I are kind of used to this and I'm not used to seeing a lot of people's faces very clearly anyways so um you wouldn't think that I'd feel like um I miss it or whatever but it is nice like even um even though I can't see people's faces clearly to see someone's face on FaceTime you know what I mean mm-hmm. so I feel like just sort of reaching out and getting in touch with people and forcing yourself to like really have conversations and build social bonds is sort of the um one best way to encourage people to uh do some at-home direct action but also a good way to sort of um shore yourself up against doom gloom yeah. doom or despair you know, because yeah. it's easy. They want you to become a doomer because if you become a doomer, you're pacified and you're, and yeah. you're like, don't make me pl- do not make me tap the sign. No black pilling. Right. <laughs> not right exactly. now. This is the most important moment for us to all of right. us. So. Right. And we have to do it all together. So yep. there isn't there's no institution that's going to just magically fix it. It's yep. going to be yep. hard work. But we've been saying that all along. Um, so, hey, yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening, like, everybody. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for listening. And thank you as always for supporting the show. If you'd like to support the show a little more, um, tell your friends, become a patron, leave us a rating, a review on Apple podcasts. It helps people find the show. It also, you know, um, makes us feel better and, and it, it'll help the, keep our spirits up. Give all the ego boost I can get. If you'd like to support the show and become a patron, um, or if you, sorry, if you're feeling lonely and you need a little bit of extra death panel, um, we do actually do two shows a week. So if you're a patron, as long as the mail is working, we will mail you some stickers until we run out. And um, you regardless will, of regardless if the of mail that, is working, you will get an extra podcast a week. Yes, mm-hmm. and possibly now some more patron-only bonus content that'll come. Um, that will be uh, live and free. But that sort of does it for this episode. We will, if you're a patron or you want to become one, we will see you early next week with the next one. If not, as always, thank you so much for listening. Stay alive another week and stay safe. Stay inside. (laughs) If you can, please, please. Especially if you're in New York City, please (laughs) stay inside. Bye. Bye. Okay, cool. Word. Word.